Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh my gosh, this is our fucking Super Bowl. It's fucking cinematic Super Bowl, y'all. The Oscars! I wish they like had concessions and like, you know, people treated it like the Super Bowl. That would be incredible. I mean, we do. And like our friends buy nachos do. and stuff, you mean? Yeah, like, you know. Giant beers. Tons of Bud Light, you know, a slip and slide or oh something. Oh my God, buffalo wings. Buffalo wings, yeah. I think that's the vibe. I think we need to have, oh my God, I actually I love this. So every year we host an Oscars party. I think this year's Oscar party theme should be Super Bowl. Yeah. And like everyone wears a jersey that says like Blanchett on the back <sighs> or something like that. That is actually genius. Okay, we have to do that. We're doing that because last year we dressed up as fucking Power of the Dog and it won one Oscar <laughs> and that was embarrassing. So I need to go neutral. Yeah, we can't <laughs> favor a film as heavy as we did last year. We've learned from our mistakes and we changed the kind of way that we do the Oscars episode this year so first off there will be no spoilers of any kind we'll tell you how we feel about the film but we won't be going into detail just so that you guys can rest assured and secondly we won't be telling you what we think will win we'll be telling you what we want to win because we are usually wrong when Mm -hmm. we try to guess Mm -hmm. and honestly up until the moment it's announced I'm possibly changing my mind so I can say something now it might Actually, most assuredly will change Yeah, by March 12th, which is when the Oscars are this year. I took my notes. Like, I selected my films this afternoon, and I was changing them up until, like, right now. I still have some I haven't picked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull an audible at the end and just let my gut speak for me. Okay. I love that energy. And we're also not going to talk about every single category because that would be a five-hour episode. We picked 10 of the more, like, prominent and more ones that we have opinions on. Um, So we'll be going over those and not every single category. But rest assured, we have opinions on everything. You just don't get to hear all of it today. (laughs) It's for the Patreon, probably. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Patreon, I just want to take a sec to thank everyone that's a part of our Patreon. If you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, you can find it at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. We have many levels, including a new ally level that's only two bucks where you get to have access to knowledge of the upcoming episode um, of the week. So we'll tell you like a week ahead of time what's actually coming out next. Um, Plus you get to support us little queerbies. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's not your bag and you don't want to support the show financially, that's totally fine. Um, You can just keep listening to this episode and that'll be enough. Enable us. Continue <laughs> to enable us because... Patronize us, yes, as Sam says. I do appreciate it. Oh, okay, got to jump in. This is a big, tasty meal. Yeah. And we have another uh, place at the table today, too, because Lee Garcia is going to be giving his insights. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot. I mean, I feel like I just said the same thing as last year. I was like, I don't watch movies, but I have a... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I have, I've seen some. I have some opinions. Let's go. Let's get it fucking rolling. Let's go, babe. What you got? All right. So first category we're going to discuss is actor in a supporting role. This one for me was probably the easiest. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So in this category, we have Brendan Gleeson from Banshees of Insurin. Is it Inishirin or Ed Sheeran? (laughs) The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Work, bitch. (laughs) Um, we also have Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans, Barry Keegan from The Banshees of Ed Sheeran, and Kihi <laughs> Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. So you said this was really easy for you. It was yes. also really easy for me. Should we say it on the count of three? Yeah. One, two, three. Kihi, Kihi Kwan. Kwan. Hell yeah. What say you, Lee? Definitely. If he doesn't win, like, that's just a given. If he doesn't win, there's going to be a riot, like, in the ceremony i've literally made myself cry this morning by just remembering his speech at the end where he's talking about well you know the speech at the end yeah when he's in the wong kar wai universe i literally made myself cry today yeah every time i remember (laughs) him in the film uh just it feels like a hug it feels like a warm bowl of soup and i do want to give an honorable mention to brendan gleason from the banshees of inishirin he did an incredible job. I think he's the only one that I can see as a contender, but he just didn't have a really central 
role the way that Kiki Kwan did and everything everywhere all at once. True. But I do have a snub for this category. You do. Let's I, hear it. I do. So Lizzie and I probably agree that a film that was like incredibly snubbed, um, although it was nominated for some things, would be Women Talking. Absolutely. I just got chills and how much I agree with that. It is an incredible film. I can't. You guys should definitely see it if you can. And I think that they didn't know what to do with the actors in that film. There's yes. so many people who did an incredible job, but I think because they're all at the same level, there was no lead anything or supporting anything right. that they didn't know what to do with them until they put them nowhere. But one of the people that I think definitely deserves a nomination would be Ben Wishaw, who plays August. I literally have that written down. I'm like, take out Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans. You didn't see The Fablemans, but he plays like a very minor uncle character. Mm. Take him out. And also, I'm thinking of Barry Keegan from The Banshees of Inishirin. Is that how you say his name, Keegan? I think so, Barry Keegan. Um, great job. But August in Women Talking, that was just a better role. Yeah, and he really committed. I was feeling like if you're going to be the only man mm -hmm. in a movie, you better do a good job. And I think he played that role really well. And it was also written really well and cast really well. So he was set up for success, but he really brought that character full circle. Incredible job. I would give him no notes. I think he should definitely be included in this. If he was, that would be the only cinch for me with Kihi Kwan. Cause yeah. Great. Great category. All right, Sam, you want to serve up actress in a supporting role? Sure, yeah. So our nominees include Angela Bassett from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hung Chow from The Whale, Carrie Condon from The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu from Everything Everywhere All at Once. This one's kind of easy too. This one was harder for me because I saw The Whale today. Like literally I came here like from the theater basically. That's my note on this one. That's the only person I'm not sure of. Yeah. I was just going to say, what are your thoughts on The Whale? I know it's kind of polarizing. Okay, so I really enjoy Darren Aronofsky. I think his, like, religious allegory films of the last eight years, have some of them have really been a miss for me. This film, I think, is a really good film, and I would recommend everyone watch it once to make your own opinion about it because it's a very uncomfortable watch, but I think... He brings up a lot of important topics mm. um, through some of the main characters, which I did not expect and I thought were really handled well. However, I will never watch this film again. It's it was very hard to watch. But I would recommend it generally to anyone who's like ready to be made uncomfortable and, and really think why they feel uncomfortable about a situation. Hong Chao in this film do you, did an incredible job. Killer. Killer. She's It's the kind of role that could be be kind of basic and could be played like kind of one note but I think that she took this role and made it 10 times more than what was given mm -hmm. um and every single shot she's in every line delivery amazing and she was probably the character I related to, to the most in that film um and she did a fantastic job and she's from New Orleans oh I didn't know that yeah so that's, that's pretty awesome. cool uh hometown hero so so my what wait what's your answer? Mine is Stephanie Shu from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, I think me too. It's just a clear standout for me. Supporting actress in a supporting role this year wasn't, I wouldn't say, extremely stacked. And this is not an insult to anyone, but when I was watching these films of the other actresses in these these films, I wasn't like, wow, she deserves like an Oscar. But I think it was just a year where the roles are just you know a little bit sparser. Mm -hmm. um, like, for instance, Jamie Lee Curtis, one of my darlings, I really enjoyed her in Everything Every Wall at Once, but I was surprised that she was nominated. Not because she didn't do a great job, but it just didn't, like, strike me as Oscar. Right. I was really surprised by that as well. I guess because it's a little different from what we know her for. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. I mean, and it was a very physical role, and it was an important part of the film. You know, I'm going to bring up women talking. This would have been a great care, a great category to see Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy. I have that written down. Yeah. Fucking ass. They did so good. I, yeah. Like those characters in particular in that film made me feel the most out of anyone. And it was really sad to not see them. But at the same time, Angela Bassett, a fucking icon. She's actually, fun fact, the first actor to be nominated for an Oscar uh, from a Marvel movie. 
Wow. So that's pretty noteworthy. That is noteworthy. I think she did a great job. I won't spoil anything that happens in the film. But again, I was surprised that she was nominated. But I'm seeing a lot of people who deserve to have an Oscar already get nominated for things that I don't think are exactly standout performances. I mean, Angela Bassett, like I said, did an incredible job. Of course. I didn't walk away from that being like, if anyone deserved a nomination, (laughs) you know, like they all did a fantastic job. So... I I want everyone who deserves an Oscar by now to have had one, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily want them to get it over someone who deserves it in this year. Yeah. I do think Stephanie Hsu has a really good case for not only being my choice, but for being the Academy's choice this year because that character, she was a million characters in one. You know what I mean? she nailed them all. Absolutely. What do you think, Lee? Did you have a pick for this category? That's my pick, Stephanie Hsu. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't seen the other films in the category, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great performance. I feel com- confident in that choice. Me too. And to have a young winner, to have an Asian-American winner, to have a queer character be the winner, that would just feel really good for me. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, what's the next category? The next category is film editing. In this category, we have The Banshees of Ed Sheeran, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. It's the technical categories that are always a wash for me because the films are all so different. They require such different styles of editing. Right. So it's hard to judge. Um, What did you choose for this one? I'll show you what I chose and what I wish was nominated. Yeah. Not to sound like a broken record, but I do think Women Talking should have been nominated in this category. This was the kind of film whenever I was nearing the end and the credits were starting to roll that I realized I was just watching the film without really thinking too much about how they made it and who was in it. And I was just really absorbing it. And a part of that was the editing, because the thing about this film, Women Talking, it's just exactly that. It's most of the film is women talking to each other. And that can get really repetitive. It can get really boring. It can get kind of stale. But with this film, for me, at least, it didn't. That never happened, and I attribute that, of course, to the cinematography and the direction, but definitely to the editing. It was There was never a cut out of place for me. However, it was snubbed in this category, so my vote is going to go to Tar, because that's another well-crafted, well-everything film. And the editing, I remember, being really exceptional, even down to the trailer editing being really good. Yeah, Tar was, like, pitch perfect in every regard. Like, I've said this before on the podcast, but... Tar and Everything Everywhere All at Once for me are going to get most of my nominations because they're both perfect films and they just happen to be so different. So it's hard to choose which will win all of these different things. I also, um, I gave Tar an honorable mention as well as Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick was technically really astounding. Yeah. I think they did a fantastic job. But my vote for this category of film editing would be Everything Everywhere All at Once just because they're handling multiverses and I never once was confused as to where I was or what was happening. I think that that movie just demanded a stronger editing presence. So that's my choice. Great choice. Lee, what did you think in this category? I went with Top Gun, which I haven't seen. I was just guessing that probably has good editing, but um, I also loved Tar and Everything Everywhere All at Once for editing. I haven't seen Elvis, but I imagine... Just the way I imagine it in my head, it feels like it's crazy and there's a lot of like just layering of different um, like picture in picture. I don't know. I'm just imagining Bo- Baz Luhrmann going crazy. So does that have a chance? Have you guys seen Elvis? I have seen Elvis. Lizzie has seen Elvis. I imagine we feel differently about that film. I, for one, cannot stand that film. So if it was good at editing, I couldn't notice because I was upset the whole time. I don't think it... It did nothing good for me. I hated every moment of it. It's one of those films that I walked away like upset. Lizzie? I mean, I'm a Baz Luhrmann fan till I die. She's so, a fanboy. So I, I I will allow Baz Luhrmann to do things that I wouldn't let other directors get away with. I would say if most edits was the award, <laughs> it would certainly win. Because you're <laughs> right, Lee. It's a little manic in terms of the style. But all of his films always are. But this happened with Bohemian Rhapsody, where the editing was oh, fucking yeah. crazy. And it won. And it won. That was bullshit. That was one of the ones <laughs> that I was like, are Like, most editing is not best editing. Yeah. In fact, best editing is editing you don't 
even notice is there. That's my opinion. Like, if you're noticing the editing, it's not good editing. I would say there is a snub for this category that I have. Um, I don't think it would win because the Oscars don't favor films like this, but I think After Sun's editing was so great. You're going to hear me sing After Sun's praise this whole episode, but the ending of that film, which I will not spoil, the editing was so perfect and, like, it probably has the least cuts of all the films I've seen this year. And it that just made it all the more better. You are so, so right. I've been nodding and, like, praising and amening <laughs> this whole time. That film's editing is exceptional. We Can we talk about After Sun for a quick second? Oh, my God. Can we? I watched it last night. Okay. tell The whole situation of how we came to After Sun is, like, really funny. So you started watching it. Yeah, so Lizzie and I sometimes divvy up films that we don't think we'll both get a chance to see. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do After Sun because I don't know. I was like, I'll just watch it. And I started it one night and the first half of it bummed me out and I w- it was really late. So I just paused it and I told Lizzie the next day, I was like, don't worry about seeing it. It's no big deal. Like, it's whatever. I've seen Sofia Coppola somewhere, which I appreciate as a film. And I was like, it doesn't do anything somewhere it does not do. And then I finished it. I turned on the second half. And let me tell you, I had like a come to Jesus experience (laughs) with this film. Everything I thought I felt completely flipped. I had had a glass of wine. And so when it (laughs) ended, I just messaged Lizzie, um, forget every bad word that I have said about After Sun. You must watch it. (laughs) (laughs) She sent that at like 2 a.m. I wake up like at eight the next morning. And the first thing I see is that. And I'm like, I'm watching that tonight. They, oh, that movie is so good. I finally get it. I thought it was overhyped because a lot of people right now love Paul Mescal. So I was like, oh, it's just like people flocking to Paul Mescal. But when I watched it, I was like, holy shit, this is good. So if you're worried it's overhyped, I would still recommend it. If you're drawn to this film at all, like if one thing appeals to you about it, including your love for Paul Mescal, I would recommend watching it. Absolutely. And give it the space. Like, give it your attention. This movie put me in a trance. Like, a really... In a way that very, very few movies can do. There were so many fucking good movies this year, Sam. I was telling Lee the exact same thing. Like, we're kind of fucked. We're doing the impossible. Yeah. I think this is probably the least mad I've ever been at an Oscar palette. I agree. I agree. something. The, the films that we have as, like, our biggest snubs are still like accounted for in other categories yeah okay cool cinematography time the films nominated in the cinematography category include all quiet on the western front bardo false chronicles of a handful of (laughs) the ballad just says a handful of dot 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 ellipses i'm sorry i have not seen the film and i don't know the name (laughs) elvis empire of light and tar i feel like i know what you're gonna pick huh what is it uh I would pick, out of an astounding turn of events, Tar. Oh, I thought you were going to pick Elvis. Bitch. (laughs) Elvis does have a female cinematographer, which I think is cool, but... That's great. I do want (laughs) to say... I'm good for her. She got her check. Uh, I do want to say I think I know... I'm 100%... I'm 99% confident that All Quiet on the Western Front will win this category. Okay, so this is a film that you saw and I did not. Mm-hmm. Can you, like, what download that film for me in a general sense? Yeah, so generally, it's a war movie a la, like, Dunkirk, 1917. It's expansive. It's quite long. It follows this one particular soldier. These are not spoilers. This was in the trailer. And it is Oscar bait mm-hmm. and... I don't want to diminish what it's accomplished by saying that, but I'm saying that the people in the Academy tend to gravitate towards films like this. Uh, The cinematography was great, although my issue in this is that it did not do anything creative. Mm. Everything was stunning, but I don't think it tried anything necessarily. So that's why I hope Tar gets it, because there was not a single pixel in Tar that was not accounted for. I also noticed that All Quiet on the Western Front got nominated for visual effects. Did Mm -hmm. you find that the effects in that film were, like, important to the story and noteworthy? Or was it kind of like, oh, that was visual effects? I think if Avatar was not nominated alongside it, I think that All Quiet on the Western Front would also win visual effects. Yes, they did great. The visual effects in that film, really, really good. I feel bad that they have to go against Avatar. (laughs) Yeah, we know that one's going to win. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. 
I, I'm throwing my straw in for Tar as well. What do you think, Lee? I think Tar, beautiful film, amazing cinematography. I'm going with Elvis on this one. Which <laughs> oh I haven't my seen. God. This man's playing with fire. Once I get Movie Pass, I'm going to watch it. I just imagine it's like a one, uh, I guess, apart from Bardo, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the movies in this category except Tar. But um, I think Bardo's probably pretty flashy, but I feel like Elvis is really flashy. It has a chance. I don't know if I don't know if it'll win though. It has. It's on HBO Max. Yeah, but I think I should see it in theaters. But maybe I'll watch it at home. Is it in theaters anymore? I just looked, and it is playing uh, at one showtime on the West Bank. Hey. I don't want to be a huge hater, but I would recommend you not watch it in theater. <laughs> I would recommend you watch it in theater. I recommend you watch it at home where you, you could can watch take it breaks home. to like fume and use the bathroom and stuff. I would say if your movie right. pass comes in in time. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> we that, all that'll signed be the deciding up. factor. We all signed up for movie pass on the same day and yeah. we're all just patiently. The last day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for them to come. I know whoever gets their card first is going to text the group and be like, it's here. I'm going to do a photo shoot with it. I'm going to uh. brag so hard. <laughs> all right. What's the next category? Let's go over to the award for best writing for adapted screenplay. This includes the films All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Okay. Before we say our decision, Lee made a very valid point that, like, if it's a sequel, it's considered adapted. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. You're right, because Glass Onion and Top Gun. Is that right, Lee? Yeah, because Top Gun's a sequel. Glass Onion is a sequel. I never thought about that. I mean, I guess they do have a... Featuring characters based on or whatever, yeah. No, that's an interesting fact. I guess they have, like, a basis to build off of, so it's not technically original. But they're not taking an original work and rebooting it or changing the script. Right. I think it's stupid as well. I've never considered that. That's interesting. That being said, the film that I chose for this category is an adaptation of a book, and that is Women Talking. Look... Fucking incredible. What do you want me to say? Like, if it gets anything, it really, truly deserves this award. Absolutely. I think that it, if I can expect it to win anything, which feels like a long shot to begin with, it super deserves this category. I did give honorable mentions to All Quiet on the Western Front. Not, and again, they did not do anything astounding or creative. There wasn't quotes or lines that like broke me that I remember. Um, but the Academy loves films like this. And Glass Onion, actually, I gave an honorable mention as to might win because it was really witty. It was really snappy. I can see the Academy trying to do something a little bit different and giving it to Glass Onion. But if there's someone who deserves it, it's, it is women talking. That Definitely. Film, that film is airtight. Making a film that is so dialogue driven with so much happening off screen and before and after the film even ha- takes place that is very hard to do without making the exposition sound so frigid and clunky. Clunky, but they do it like when you need to learn something, you learn it at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. But they do they do it with dialogue, which usually like the say it, don't show it thing kind of pisses me off. But in this case, I thought it was handled perfectly. And so, if you can write that much dialogue, good for you. You deserve an award. Yeah, it it reminds me of Twelve Angry Men. We know we're coming here to see people talk, and it's even more exciting to learn through conversation, oh, oh, she doesn't like her. Oh, that's her mom. Oh, mm-hmm. and you're, you're, seeing the rela- excuse me, you're seeing those relationships even though they're not explicitly spoken. The script was fantastic. 10 out of 10. I also banged the table for The Whale. I'm surprised that did not get nominated in this category. It's actually an adaptation of the play by the playwright himself. Oh. Um, and it very much feels like a play and how everything's staged in a, basically a single room for the most part. But yeah, I was really surprised that that one didn't get a nomination because it's kind of like a classic adaptation on a film that did so well and is so script heavy. But um, that's one I would have liked to see in here, maybe instead of like Top Gun Maverick. No offense. Also, can I, I just want to bang the table for Top Gun Maverick. I really fucking like that film, too. Lizzie and I watched it together <laughs> thinking, this will be so fun to make fun of the whole time. And we started off making fun of it. And then at the end, we were like, oh, Dude, oh, shit. I think I'm a Top Gun fan. Like, I want to yeah. go back and watch them all. Also, guys, I have, 
I I think I like Tom Cruise. No. Oh shit! Oh, they, to the dark side. They've got oh you. They got me. No, dude. this started making me feel like I might like Tom Cruise, which it takes a lot because I hate that man. I know, but he's he really is an incredible actor, and he's so charming. And maybe it's just this character. I'm going to go back and watch some of the films that I intentionally didn't watch because he was <laughs> starred in them um, to see how I feel about it. But I was really digging his performance. And while we both agree we were pleasantly surprised by Top Gun, I do not believe that it should be an adapted screenplay. None of the dialogue was beautiful or yeah the, i know what you mean the like, dialogue was sufficient in moving the story and i think it is nothing more yeah i think i would love to see top gun out the whale in but whatever whatever not my world <laughs> i'm not mad about it <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on to um writing for original screenplay nominees include the banshees of Inishirin, everything everywhere all at once the fablemans tar and triangle of sadness now, the only film in this category that I have not seen is The Fablemans. I told Lee before recording, there's always one film I don't get to see, and that's the film that wins everything. <laughs> and that's what happened with Coda last year. So hopefully I didn't put the curse on The Fablemans and it doesn't sweep because I haven't heard amazing things about it. But this one was really challenging for me to pick. This one was also challenging for me to pick. Um, but I feel pretty secure in my choice, sort They're of. All <laughs> so different and yes. my, my the top contenders for me were the banshees of inishirin everything everywhere all at once and tar three films that couldn't be more different from each other well how was triangle of sadness that's one i'm definitely going to watch just didn't have time to i really enjoyed it and i again in the top gun sense i think the writing was sufficient mm. and it was a really interesting idea i enjoyed it but i didn't walk away being like damn that dialogue you yeah know? right well, that sentiment, like, damn, that dialogue actually is what motivated me to select my choice, which I went with The Banshees of Inishirin. This is a film where not fucking much happens, but everything is important and every conversation matters. And there were a lot of themes in that film that I thought were very unique and interesting. And I ultimately went with that film. There wasn't any writing that made me cringe and there were actually some lines, particularly by the sister character played by uh, Carrie Condon, that I was like, oh, God, I fucking feel that. Yeah. The so. Banshees of Inishirin was a delight to mm -hmm. to listen to. I could probably, like, listen to that film without seeing it and still really enjoy myself. I was split most heavily between Everything Everywhere All at Once and Tar. And I'm calling it Audible right now because I hadn't chosen until this moment. Gun to your head. I will say Tar. God damn it. <laughs> I Do I say Aaron Sorkin too much? But he didn't write this film, obviously, um, because the talking would be a lot quicker if he did. But <laughs> every single sentence felt like it was written by an expert in every single regard. It is just airtight, 10 out of 10. And Kate Blanchett, bless you for learning these lines. Because mm -hmm. it was like she was reading an essay every time she spoke. So good. Oh, the scene where she's teaching that class. That in itself could win an Oscar. Yes. Yes. That's like a standalone. That could be a short yes, film. Absolutely. Fantastic. So I'm calling an audible. It's tar for me. Great. Throwing it over to Lee Garcia. This one is hard for me. I have a lot of um, favorites here. And even Banshees of Inishirin, which I haven't seen, I expect it to be an amazing screenplay. So I really want to see that after your uh, nomination there, Lizzie. Um, I have four here. Um, everything but Triangle of Sadness, which I, which I haven't seen, but I love that director. I'm just going to use my time here to bang the table for The Fablemans because it is written by someone who was uh, from my hometown, Lake Charles, Louisiana. It's written by Tony Kushner. Nice. Um, and I thought he did a really good job because it's very much a personal, it's like Steven Spielberg, the movie, you know? <laughs> but how do you take that and like be like, Steven? That's good. That's fine. Like your story's great, but let's like put some drama to it. Let's make it a story. And I think he did find some really good, um, you know, ways to code the message in there. And I, I think it's also partly Spielberg's like direction and maybe the structure of the film, which you could also say is partly screenplay that I think uh, is really exciting. So I don't know if that's to credit to Tony Kushner or Steven Spielberg, but that's also a big part 
And what I like is the structure of it, though it is a, a pretty long film, too. Um, gun to my head, I would say tar. But yeah, I just wanted to bang the table. We've got a case for the Fablemans, uh, which I have not heard this year, so that is good. I I need to know because I haven't seen it, and I just want to anticipate if it's going to win so I don't get my heart broken, you know? I would recommend you watch it sometime in the next month. It's You're not going to regret it, and you can make your own, you know, assertions about it. Because you're right, like, it is one of the top nominated films of the year, and mm-hmm. it's fucking Spielberg. So if we're going to get our hearts broken, we should, you know, be fully in, in, involved. Yeah, I want to be informed if my heart will informed. be broken or not. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on to directing. Another stacked category. Mm-hmm. Nominated for directing, we have Martin McDonough from The Banshees of Enchirin. That was bad, but <laughs> I'm not taking it again. Um, the Daniels, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. This was the one I didn't have an answer for yet. Oh, shit. Oh, I actually had another write-in. Where the fuck was Sarah Polly's nomination for Women Talking? I have issues with this category. Let's talk. Sarah Polly wrote and directed Women Talking. Fucking Charlotte Wells wrote and directed After Sun. I just hate that the Oscars really favor like fantastical film exploits and they don't value slow storytelling that creates a more intentional emotional response from the audience. After Sun and Women Talking made me feel just as much as Everything Everywhere All at Once and Tar combined and they did it with so much less like that should be commended. Absolutely. I believe both of those women were snubbed in this category. I totally, totally, totally agree. Um, but what still leaves us with choosing a man somewhere <laughs> in here. Which of these men is going to get my vote? In the You go first. In the words of Natalie Portman, here are all male nominees. Um, <laughs> I saw a fucking tweet that was like uh, the director category for the Oscars, and it was the five guys sign. Stop. It's actually six guys because the Daniels are co, but, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um... Let's see. Um, I'll start with my will likely win, which is the Fablemans and or Triangle of Sadness. I can see either of those possibly winning based on the favor of the Academy. I believe the person that should win or the people that should win are the Daniels for everything, everywhere, all at once. I would also be very happy to see Todd Field win for Tar. But like I said, these are different films. Everything, everywhere, all at once just demanded more from the directors, and I think they accomplished that very well, so I think they deserve this. Oh, man. That's a good argument. Yeah, it's hard. You're like, one of them, you know, they're all so good, but, like, who did best directing specifically, you know? That's true. If I really look at the story behind these films, I think the Daniels put 10 years of their life and such personal elements of their own psyches into this film— And also a lot of time into making that script work and making the VFX work. Like, they really put themselves into that film. And they're so young. Like, they're young filmmakers. It'd be really cool to see that this new generation is getting the nod for what we're doing in film. So I do think the Daniels deserve it. Also, I really want to hear what their acceptance speech would be like. Like, that would be very pleasurable for me to hear. I live. No. I (laughs) I live. If if just just to hear their acceptance speech when, like, Olivia Coleman, who has my favorite acceptance speech of all time. It's just give it to me. I want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, what say you? Uh, yeah, I love that idea. I want to see the Daniels present a uh, acceptance speech. And yeah, I'll just piggyback on that. I think, um, you know, one of the biggest roles of the director is to sort of shepherd this movie from beginning to end. And this is such a successful movie for such a like such an underdog that I really do think they have a great shot. My, I think my first pick was Tar, like that is an artistic achievement or very like a very virtuoso direction. But I think the Daniels, just as the category, I think they deserve it. I think that could be really cool to see. I'll also say Steven Spielberg, GOAT director, but he, <laughs> I think he already has two Academy Awards, so I would be disappointed if they, as much as I love The Fablemans, I'd be disappointed if he won it in that category. Yeah. I think also we have to ask ourselves, did they 
do anything outside of the box? Did they create anything? You know, did they move film forward? A lot of these people have, I think, Banshees of Inishir, an incredible, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Tar, Incredible Triangle of Sadness. I think Fablements is something that is more static, you know, classic Spielberg. If he got it for this, I'd be like, well, fuck. He's going to get it for everything now because it doesn't even matter what he does. Yeah, I mean, at this point, any of these directors deserve an Oscar for their direction as a whole. You know, these are all creators who have done something new, who have done something incredible, like you're saying, have moved cinema forward. If you're looking at the films, though, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of a different story and where the hang up from the Oscars gets complicated because the politics of the person sometimes supersede how we actually feel about the film itself. Yeah. Like fucking Leo winning for The Revenant. Mm-hmm. That's not his best work. No. It's an incredible feat for sure, but it was, wasn't his best and most iconic role. So we're not objective people, no matter what we try to think. All right, so let's move over to actor in a leading role. Nominees include Austin Butler in Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Um, sorry. Have you guys seen Dickie Roberts, former child star? Yes. Uh, he has a cameo in that film at like an AA <laughs> yes. meeting. Wait, this is coming back to me. And David Spade is like, Brendan Fraser, and he's like, it's Frazier. Frazier. And I can't tell if that's real or not. So like, <laughs> Brendan Fraser in The Whale or Brendan Frazier in The Whale, whichever he prefers. <laughs> Uh, Paul Mescal in After Sun and Bill Nye in Living, which I have not seen. I have not even heard of that. Work. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a list of people I would date without question, except for Bill Nye. I mean, maybe, but definitely the first four. You'd let Bill Nye probably take you on a date. Can I Google him real quick? Sure. Yeah. It's not Bill Nye the science guy. Is it's it? the, <laughs> the old guy from Love Actually. Oh. I would definitely entertain it. Just one date. I mean, the story alone would be fantastic. I would date him, you know, at this point. I don't date men, but I think my partner would be okay with that. Which of these men would go over the best in your household, though, if you're like, babe, can I start seeing? Colin Farrell is so hot. It's a Heath Ledger thing. Like, I don't think I could safely date him as a lesbian even. He's just so hot. Mm -hmm. Probably Brendan Fraser. Brendan. I just want to – it's probably Frasier. <laughs> it's probably Brendan Frazier, but I can't get Dickie Roberts from a child star out of my fucking head. Okay, so Lizzie, who'd you pick? Oh, this was a really hard one for me. This one was really, really, really hard. Ultimately, though, I chose Brendan Frazier. I thought you were going to pick Elvis. Really? Yeah. I mean, honestly, any of Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan, and Paul Mescal, they all – have a lot of my vote I think Brendan Fraser has like literally one percent more for him to come back and choose this kind of role and also to work with a director like Darren Aronofsky who is not easy to work with who demands a lot of his actors does a lot of takes he's wearing this like incredibly uncomfortable looking fat suit and the role itself is heavy and dark and emotional and for him to be the best part about this film for me says a whole whole lot um my only hope, like, I want to see Brendan Fraser in a film a year for the next 20 years. He really, mm-hmm. he's one of those few actors who I can trust to bring me to an uncomfortable place uh, in terms of the themes of a film, um, like Joaquin Phoenix. And I can still trust them to bring the humanity into the role and to still be fun to watch and still bring life to a role that if someone else was playing it, I wouldn't like and mm-hmm. would be something I wouldn't want to revisit again. I really think he has something special. And in this film, he really like uh, deserved the attention and all the praise he's getting for it. So it would be really, really nice to see him win. And he did a fantastic job with that film. That being said, if any of these other actors, with the exception of Bill Nye, sorry, um, <laughs> won, I would be super happy. They, I really think that they all did the absolute best they could and nailed it. Yeah, I I really want to see The Whale to understand, you know, how big of a feat Brendan Fraser accomplished. I love seeing pictures of him and Ki Kwan because I'm like, I just want to have all of you. (laughs) Uh, But this one for me went to Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inishirin. I couldn't relate to a character less than Colin Farrell's (laughs) character initially, like just a a guy who lives with his sister in Ireland in like 18 something or 19 something. But by the end of the film, I felt like I was him. Mm -hmm. He did 
so much with so little. The dialogue is really incredible in that they don't throw too much at the audience. Really fantastic. I would like him to get it. I could see Brendan Fraser getting it. I can also see fucking Austin Butler getting it, which would make me upset because I don't think that level of method acting is necessary to accomplish what he had accomplished. And I think it's toxic. I think it's not anything that should be commended. He said at one point, I didn't speak to my family for like a year. It's like, bitch, just call your mom. (laughs) It reminds me of, I think it was De Niro or Pacino who was like working with someone on the set of a film and the character that they were speaking to had to like in the scene was like up all night on drugs or something. And so the actor was like, yeah, I stayed up all night and, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. And, and the person, whether Pacino or De Niro said like, have you tried acting? (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I feel about people that go so method. It's, I don't, it doesn't bring me any happiness as an audience member to know that you were in torture, especially when what you're doing could just be achieved by acting. Yeah. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. If I wasn't so attracted to Austin Butler's Elvis, I'd probably be like, yeah. I couldn't be attracted to someone <laughs> less than Austin Butler's Elvis. It gave me the skivvies. I did not like it. The skivvies. Lee Garcia, who's your vote for Akhtar? All right. So I haven't seen any of these movies, but I put um, Austin Butler or Colin Farrell. I think I'd like Colin Farrell to win. Actually, no, I think I'd like to see Brendan Fraser win. That would be a fun thing to watch. It's Frazier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? No, no, I, I think it is Frazier. She's trolling you. Yes. Um, it's it's the first nomination for all of these actors, so that's pretty really? cool. Really? Oh, yeah, including incredible. Colin Farrell, which is crazy because he's been around forever. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, Moving on to what we all came here for. To the Kate Blanchett in the leading role category. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Actress in in a leading role. Lizzie, take it. Take it away. All right. So we have Kate Blanchett in Tar, Mm -hmm. Anna de Armas in Blonde, Andrea Riseborough in To Leslie, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, and Michelle fucking Yeoh in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Is it clear who my choice is? This was a no-brainer for me. I think Kate Blanchett did fucking fantastic, but if Michelle Yeoh does not win, there is not a god, which I already know is the case, but I will double down on that statement. She is the standout performance of probably the decade for me, and this role was perfectly written for her, and she absolutely nailed it, and I think about this movie all the time, and 50% of what I think about is how great she is in it, so... I would love to see to see Michelle Yeoh win, and um, I know what she's going to be wearing on the red carpet is going to be fucking stunning, and I can't wait to see what it is. I am torn, and Natalie Imbruglia torn. Natalie Imbruglia torn right now, you guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously, by how much I've gassed up both of these films, I think you could understand I'm torn between Kate Blanchett and Tar, Michelle Yeoh, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think if someone quote unquote deserves it, it would definitely be Michelle Yeoh given her career, given her catalog, it she should have had one by now. And because Kate already has one, those things play in people's minds when they're voting. Um, she has two, I think, actually. Kate? Mm-hmm. For? Um, two wins. Oh, she got a Best Supporting. Mm. So you're right. She got Best Actress win for Blue Jasmine and Best Supporting win for The Aviator. Um, but she's had nine. This is her eighth overall. Yeah. And so if we're talking in that regard, definitely Michelle Yeoh gets it. I can't say enough. They're so totally different, these films. And this is really reminding me of her performance in Blue Jasmine, um, written and directed by someone we do not speak of. It's so deep. The character is so rich. And Michelle Yeoh had to pull off harder feats in the sense that she was so many different characters. And... Kate Blanchett didn't have to pull that off to that regard, but I'm saying she's reciting fucking pages on pages of monologues after monologues, and it never ran stale for a moment. I can't pick just one. I, I am going to have to be 50-50 split on this, and I'm so sorry. I'm pulling my veto. I have Wait, to be what? 50-50 split no, you, on this. you, you got to pick. I can't. I, I actually can't. Okay, but you know what's cute is that did you watch that, like, variety actors on actors conversation between the two? 
they are such fans of each other that I know whoever wins, the other one is going to be like teary eyed and so ecstatic. Did you see when they kissed? What? Yeah, they kissed. They kissed? Huh? All right. Well, I'm just kidding. Ah, you <laughs> bitch. I knew the I fingers. I will never forgive you. I started to Google faster than I've ever Googled in my life. <laughs> Lizzie's eyes had How the joy I, of no, a child. Right. I at never would have missed that. No, no, I you never have ever it. would have. Missed I have Google that. alerts set up for if that ever <laughs> happens. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tease you with that. Um, no, it was even like more intimate than that. They were like gassing each other up for a full hour conversation. I love that. I could also see a sneak win. I'm not happy about this. I will not watch Blonde, but Renee Zellweger clinched lead actress for Judy similarly oh, in 2019. Right. It is not something the Academy is foreign from doing yeah. so there's a possibility if it's of that. split too because this could be definitely a year i could see michelle williams michelle yo and kate blanchett splitting the vote so much that it could go somewhere weird mm-hmm. um i think if blonde was actually a good movie that people enjoyed that would be the case i think judy was an enjoyable film mm. whereas blonde is not um you know who i could see winning is michelle williams for sure I just I can't imagine anything she could do that would be better than everything everywhere all at once in tar. Lee, what say you as a person who's seen the Fablemans? Uh, well, I agree. I agree. Um, I think she's really good in the Fablemans. I don't think it's a actress in a leading role though. I think it's category fraud. Like, why is she here? She should be in supporting. True. But then in there, I, I don't know if she would even win. But um, she's good. She's good in the movie. But uh, Kate Blanchett, tar. I would be super happy with that, honestly. Uh, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the Andrea Riseborough drama? Yes. Can we please? Yeah. Are you familiar with what's happening? I, I actually looked into it the other day because I was wondering what the stink was all about. Yeah. You want to recap it for the listener? Yeah. So basically, Andrea Riseborough was nominated in this category for a film that was super indie, cost less than a million dollars to make, which is very low budget. That premiered at South by Southwest, which is like kind of a nothing indie festival, and received this surprise nomination. And the Academy took it upon themselves to do an investigation and unearth that essentially the the director and his wife of the film, to Leslie, were campaigning for Andrea Riseborough to receive this nomination. And they got the support of like several A-list actors, mostly women, but including Kate Blanchett, someone on this list, and also reaching out to members of the Academy who were less, um, who didn't have quite the celebrity status but had the voting power. They were encouraging them to watch the film. They weren't necessarily encouraging them to vote for Andrea or to nominate Andrea directly, but they were saying like, watch the film, get the film out if you like it, host screenings that you're like mansion in the hills and that's exactly what happened like tons of people started going to bat for her yeah i i think the material that came with the hey if you want to promote this you can say this it had like it had directions on like things what that to say on they, instagram yeah, or whatever exactly things that they could say to recommend the film as well how do you feel about that and that being like controversial quote unquote i think that the main problem i have is this film it was a blip like it did not it was not nominated for Golden Globes. It was not nominated for the SAG Awards. It was nowhere until the Academy. And I think that I'm sure she does a good job, but it does feel a little fraudulent. It does feel just straight networking. There are plenty mm-hmm. of other people that could be nominated in this category on merit alone. So do I believe that it was okay? No, I don't. I haven't seen the performance. It might be just as good as all these other ones, but yet it does not go through the proper channels. It just feels a little sketchy. Right. I think the like deal, like why we didn't see this film is because it was so low budget and it didn't it didn't have the backing of like a bigger indie studio like A24 to give it that wide reach. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was distributed by like a super independent company. And this is where we get into this sketchy territory of like, all the films here are true high budget films, uh, multi million dollar films. So, like, is there no space at the Oscars for independent works? I mean, we're seeing After Sun, like, barely mentioned, mm-hmm. but mentioned. So, you know, it's kind of like indie films have a place at the Oscars, but they have to kind of stay on the lower pegs, which I could, I could understand because there are other 
you know, there's the Indie Awards, there's the SAG Awards, there's other places where films can receive recognition. I don't have a problem with a low-budget film campaigning for recognition and campaigning for people to actually see it. But if I saw a film with higher than a million dollars or like a $10 million or $5 million budget, which is still technically low-budget in a lot of senses, campaigning, it would that's where I would start saying, I don't know. To me, it reeks of like insane privilege. I mean, it's not, it wasn't even nominated at the Independent Film Spirit Awards. And it's, you know, as you're saying, very indie in a sense. But if it did not have a networking power behind it, it would not be here. And I want to say more independent films need to be appreciated, need Mm -hmm. to be considered by the Academy. That that has to happen or it's just going to be Spielberg every day of the week. But this is not the way to do it by calling Jennifer Aniston and telling her to have a party. Like, that's not an independent film. That's a film that was made with less money. But the people are so much more connected than probably the people that made After Sun. Yeah. And the Academy, like, looked into this, quote unquote, and they're probably going to get a slap on the wrist. The two Leslie team probably got, like, a cease and desist of sorts. They even for a second entertained taking Andrea's uh, nomination away, though ultimately they were like, no, we're not going to do that. So I, it's like such tricky territory because there's no way that campaigning isn't happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. They just were obvious about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's the part that kind of irks me. It's like, how do you control this? Because you know for a fact, everyone in that circle of the Academy in LA or whatever is always constantly talking about this shit during the nomination season and always giving their two cents and like sneakily saying shit on Jared Leto or whatever. So it's like, do we just not be obvious about it? You know, so it it is a weird and funny, like classist thing at the end of the day. Yeah, networking is bullshit. And it's unfortunate how much of the world is caught up in that. But I'm being dead ass. Lizzie, you could be in this category next to Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh, and I would (laughs) vote for you, bitch, because... Oh, I didn't... I thought you were going to say you'd vote for Kate Blanchett. No, I wouldn't. A lot of the Academy is just people that know Mm -hmm. each other, so, like, that's why people who shouldn't win, win oftentimes. Yeah. No, I definitely get it. If I was this... If I was balls deep in the Academy, I would have trouble saying no to my best friend, Michelle Yeoh. You know what I mean? That is a brand new sentence. <laughs> if I was balls deep in the academy, I would have a hard time saying no to Michelle Yeoh. Uh, no one has said that before. I'm sorry, there's just no way. <laughs> Good thing we caught it on air. Huh? <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Before we move on to Best Picture, the fun is not over yet. We still have um, the snubs that we have not mentioned yet, as well as a horror category that we've taken it upon ourselves to add, (laughs) and a subby, which is new this year. Lizzie, what is a subby? A subby is the gayest film of the year, according to us. And there was a lot of great contenders this year. Truly. Every time we say contender, I think chicken tender. (laughs) There was a lot of great chicken tenders this year. Tons of chicken tenders. (laughs) A whole chicken tender basket. Yeah. So hold on for that after Best Picture. But the nominees for Best Picture include All Quiet on the Western Front. The Fablemans. Avatar, The Way of Water. Tar. The Banshees of Inishirin. Top Gun Maverick. Elvis. Triangle of Sadness. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And women talking. We should be like the voice people (laughs) for the Oscars. We're not. Oh, are we not? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sending this tape to the Academy to be like, look, we'll work for way less than Anne Hathaway. Let me tell you that. We'll pay to do it. (laughs) Actually. We'll pay to do it. (laughs) Hey, I'm looking at this list. I'm pretty happy. You know, like Mm -hmm. I saw most of these films and I enjoyed most of these films. Mm -hmm. Is there shit on this list? Yes, Avatar is on this list. Yes. But I'm pretty Elvis happy. Elvis is on this list. Interesting. <laughs> Where it, did they get here? Let it go. You gotta let it go. <laughs> um, I'm turning the tables. Lee, you go first yeah, Lee. for this one. All right. I've got three picks. Are you using what? your veto? Because this is... I don't know if you can <laughs> use that? your veto on the... What's the veto? ...best picture where you can pick two things. Split your oh, vote. no, no. I'll... I'll I'll pick one, okay. but I'll just say uh, I, I think personally of these movies, my favorite movie of the year of these movies, maybe Tar. And I really think uh, Fablemans could, could eke it out. But I, but I also think um, 
I think my choice for this category, and I think what will win is everything everywhere all at once. That's my pick. Underdog, like, I don't know. It was just such a big movement this year, that film. I totally agree. My pick was everything everywhere all at once. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our two-part episode on this film, this movie, when I finished watching it for the first time and I saw it three times in theaters, this movie made me remember why I like movies. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I was kind of going through a dry spell of not finding inspiration in films until I saw this movie. And it really, it really set a tone and is probably my favorite film of the decade. And I would love to see recognition for it in this category in particular. Yeah. As we've said a million times, these films are drastically different, but the best picture is everything, everywhere, all at once. It goes above and beyond regular storytelling. It pushes all formats. It pushes all boundaries. The audience is fucking confused at all times and delighted and joyful. It is a feat in itself. It deserves everything it's nominated for. It specifically deserves this. I would also be happy if Tar won. I don't see that happening, but it did what Lizzie is describing. Like I walked away being like, God, I love movies. Mm -hmm. Tar did that as well, but it, everything everywhere all at once is a clear winner to me. I, I can imagine the Fableman's winning. If that happens, I, I'm, I'm going to be sick. That actually would make me sick. Yeah. But it's the CODA thing. It's the it's the, what's that other fucking movie? Green Book. It's the Green Book thing where it's like, yeah, they're good. I will say the Coda and the Green Book thing had like a cause that could be kind of rallied behind or like pushed forward to make the Academy look good, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Fablemans really is just like a biopic of sorts. Mm -hmm. So that could save it from being pushed forward as the pick. I really hope so. Mm -hmm. I like to look at the best picture as like, it's the one film that kind of stands as like a stamp for what that whole year of cinema was like. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that there's a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once that captures that moment quite as well. Tar comes close. I'll give you that. But Everything Everywhere All at Once is 2022. Yeah, you're so right. I could not agree more. So we'll see, won't we? If we're going to get our hearts broken. Yes. I am going to wear a little... Uh, you're going to wear a googly, googly eye, eye on my we, forehead. For our party, should we like incorporate costume elements from different yeah i think we should films. spread it out so that we don't get like like i'll have composer sticks but like i'll have a chunky sweater for banshees of inishirin <laughs> a composer stick um the the googly eye um and i'll say hey baby <laughs> to everyone i see what is that from it's elvis he's oh what? <laughs> he's that's like what? the only scene i've seen <laughs> He's what? It's like, okay, that's not what's stopping him from being successful. Fuck that movie. I think you just hate Elvis. Anyway. I, mean, I hate Baz Luhrmann. You do. And Elvis also that's... is an interesting person. And they didn't do a service to him. They, they extrapolated on nothing. They made Elvis look great. I wanted to see the end of his life. Why be chicken shit? You spent three hours showing me at him in church. Like, show me him dying. You know how... Elvis died, though. On the toilet? <laughs> I was. I heard. That would be insane, though, if, we hit, if oh that was a scene. Oh, my God. Why did Why not? They do that? I waited the whole film because it took a lot of fucking discipline for me to sit through this shit because I was like, oh, I'm going to see the end of his life, the part that I'm actually interested in. No, he's dead. Ugh, okay, done. Mini rant over. Uh, let's move on to some of the snubs. I talked about most of my snubs here, but there was one film... I didn't even see that I expected to see on this list and was planning to see sometime during the last few weeks of the nominations. And that was The Woman King. Hmm, that yeah. was a film I was super excited to see in theaters, but there was like a billion things out and it was the holidays and I just didn't get a chance to see it. So I was like, oh, well, you know, it'll stay in theaters because it'll get nominated for like five things. And it didn't get nominated at all, which huh. is interesting. I don't know why. Again, I haven't seen it, but I feel like Viola Davis should should have gotten a nomination for this. From the trailer itself, I was like, this bitch is like, li I'm living for her. Everything she's doing. Mm -hmm. It looks like a great lead role and yet nothing. So that was a snub. I'll bang the table for her. I haven't even fucking seen the movie. Yeah, but Viola Davis, when actresses get to parts of their career where they 
have the power to pick and choose. I trust them even more. Kate yes. Blanchett being one of them, Viola Davis especially being one of them. I'm I'm of the camp of if she picked it, it's good. And she also produced this film. We should get her on the pot. <laughs> Viola, oh my God. Could, just, you think she would come? The worst thing she could say is no. <laughs> or silence. <laughs> would that be worse? I, I'll send her an Instagram DM and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, my snub of this Oscar season is got to be Nope. That was on my list as well. What the hell? Nada. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I just think about Nope every once in a while. And then it takes me like five or ten minutes out of my day where I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, this is it's a, it's a good movie that la- that sticks and like lasts with you. Yes, a film that can do that, can make you feel that way, is technically astounding as well. The visual effects there. Oh my God, yeah. Incredible. Fucking, it should have been fucking screenplay as well. Absolutely. That's exactly what I have it for. Yeah, I'm just bummed it got absolutely fucking nothing. Like it didn't exist. But you know what happened? People were probably comparing it to Get Out. And I wonder if that like hindered it in some way because, I mean, Get Out was... The movie of the century when it came out. Yeah, that won Best Comedy Musical at the Globes. And it earned four Oscar nominations for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actor. Which, I was really happy about that Mm -hmm. a few years ago when that happened. So, to receive nothing this year for a film that sat in my head just as long, maybe not as heavy, but just as long as Get Out, I, I was really disappointed. And, you know, that actually brings me into the visual effects category because you were saying, why not visual effects? They were stunning. I hate that the visual effects category is just like the biggest, baddest visual effects and not the ones that serve the story. Mm-hmm. So in this category, there was Avatar, Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Top Gun Maverick, and All Quiet on the Western Front. And for some of these, I can definitely see... I mean, I guess technically Avatar, like, they invented new technology or whatever. I'm sick of it. I'm fucking it's sick trash. of it. It's trash. We don't need it. But Nope used VFX. Like, without VFX, the story wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And it was something we saw a lot of. It was in most of the film. It was very sleek and sexy and imaginative. In the way that you say best editing could be argued as most editing, yeah, best visual effects could be argued as most expensive visual effects. hundred percent. And that is not just this year. That's consistently across the board. Mm-hmm. And I was a little pissed off to not see everything everywhere all at once on this list because the shit they pulled off with like a fucking 10-person VFX team. Yeah, like a team of eight individuals. That's crazy. Insane. And how they... And I'm sure the same with Nope. They blend like special effects, which are more practical, literal on set elements with visual effects, which are all digital. Like that in itself is an art. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Megan. Um, <laughs> look at Jurassic Park. No, look at <laughs> Megan. So I'm a little sore at the visual effects category this year. Okay, so you ready to give out the subby? I'm ready to give out the subby. Okay, so subby is gayest film of the year. All right, the film that I chose to give my subby to, Tar. Mm-hmm. That bitch is a lesbian. I love to see it. The tailored suits. She could command a fucking room. She's kind of an asshole. Um, and you know what's great? They were like, should it be just like a straight man or should it be a lesbian? And they said, lesbian. Gay Blanche. Um, <laughs> Gay Blanche. Tar. The suits, the Kate Blanchett of it all, mm-hmm. that film was gay in every essence. Ooh, it felt like pride yeah. in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of that film. I love it. What about you? Lizzie Sebi Award. Drum roll, please. Top Gun Maverick. Shut up. <laughs> the planes want to fuck each other. This is actually really hard. So my selection is for a film where the character is revealed as queer later in the film, so it's not part of the marketing materials. So I'm giving you, the listener, a chance to skip forward a minute or so. So skip forward if you if there's a film here that you would really be upset about if it was spoiled. But my subby award has to go to The Whale. I didn't expect this film to have a queer character at the front. And I think the angle of how that person's queerness was handled was really interesting. 
And again, I'm still pondering through how I felt about the film overall as I saw it three hours ago. But I think it was an interesting take because it wasn't even like the main element of the film. It was just another thing to consider. And so to see queerness wrapped up in all this other complicated shit about life and this character himself um, was really, really interesting. And uh, I considered giving it to everywhere to everything everywhere all at once um because that was a really touching storyline as well but i do think that the whale made me think more about queerness and how it relates to other struggles in a person's life than any other film of the year so yeah i think that gets my subby i think that's the reason i like tar as well it's not a coming out story it doesn't deal with the fact that she's a lesbian She's gay from the jump. Let's just follow this character as a complex individual and we understand that they're gay. And that's what I want from all gay movies. We don't need coming out stories. Shit's tired. It doesn't do anything but like trigger a bunch of gay people. Let's just have characters that happen to be gay. Yes. And let's treat them like real people. Yeah. Let's skip forward to like they're well in their life and they have other problems as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I have problems in my life. I wake up every day and have difficulties and obstacles I have to overcome. And almost none of them have to do with me being gay. And, you know, that those things are also interesting about me. Yeah, exactly. So I did respect that film for doing that. So, Yeah. So we added a category this year. And you can expect it at the next Oscars, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That is best horror film. Yes. Because there were some fucking stellar Stella. Horror films this year. Yes. So I guess let's put up some nominations. We've got Barbarian. Absolutely. I'll put Prey on that list. Prey, Dan Trachtenberg. We've got Nope. We've got Nope for fucking sure. We've got The Black Phone, which mm-hmm. really fucking surprised me. I really enjoyed that film. Mm-hmm. And I would say the last one for a wild card, can we consider Orphan First Kill? Hey, yeah, we can consider Orphan First Kill. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that movie. I think for me, although Nope is incredibly impressive, the film that I walked away from that was like, oh, this can change the genre would be Barbarian. I totally agree. That gets my vote for this category. That film shocked the fucking like my hair was falling out during the film i was so shocked it was like watching a football lizzie and i were clutching each other (laughs) holding our breath incredible yeah but all of these films i would watch again for sure no yeah every film that i have seen for this season aside from elvis and avatar Mm -hmm. i would likely watch again (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah honestly a great year i'm I'm not too mad, you know. There's some there's some wins here. There's some really fucking huge icons on this list that should be appreciated and should be heralded and yeah, I'm really curious to see who actually comes through in the end. I feel good about this year. This is probably the best I felt in a really long time. So, whatever happens happens. I'm glad these people have gotten their flowers even if it is just a nomination. I'll be pretty happy with the outcome of this one, I feel. Yeah, me too. So yeah, the Oscars are March 12th, like I said. Watch. We'll be doing a reactions episode to download our feelings and hopefully not see anyone get slapped this year. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see who kisses, though. I would trade, yeah. I would love to see more kissing uh, on the mouth. Mm -hmm. Mouth Uh, kissing, for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, send us your ballots. If you're throwing in your vote for someone else than what we picked, or if you agree, let us know. I'm super curious to get a pulse on who y'all think is going to win this year. I would love, love, love to have people to argue with about Elvis. (laughs) Uh, Lizzie is sick and tired of hearing me complain, so please let me know how you guys feel about that film. All right, happy Oscars. Happy Oscars. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.